Today's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Let's just pray uh, shortly together. Father, we need truth and we thank you that your word speaks truth to us. So we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and our minds and our lives today from your word. Amen. So 2018 has not been a good year for the Christian clergy. In August, a grand jury in Pennsylvania released the results of a study reporting that over a span of seven decades, at least a thousand children in that state were abused at the hands of over 300 priests. About the same time, one of the most prominent evangelical pastors in this country, a man known all over the world for his teaching on leadership and integrity, was forced to resign from his ministry amid numerous allegations by women in his church that he had been sexually harassing them over the years. Meanwhile, a well-known televangelist in informed his followers that the private jet they purchased for him a few years ago is no longer adequate for the needs of his ministry. He needs them to give more, $54 million more, so he can buy a bigger jet, a better jet to serve Jesus in. So this has not been a good year for guys like me, for the Christian clergy. And the sad truth is that this is nothing new. For centuries, there have always been leaders in the church, some of them famous, most of them not famous, who have used their positions of authority to manipulate people, to dominate people, to advance their own agenda, to enhance their own prestige or power. This is, this is not new. Way back in the fourth century, John Chrysostom listed some of the grievous attitudes and behaviors that he saw among ministers of his day. His list included things like these. Envy, strife, falsehood, hypocrisy, anger against those who've done no harm, 
pleasure at the downfall of other ministers, sorrow when other pastors succeed, the love of praise, the desire for honor, doctrines designed to please the public, flattering people, spinning the truth, pretending to be humble, contempt for the poor, catering to the rich. For centuries, this kind of, can we call this spiritual abuse, has been going on. Have you ever wondered how Jesus feels about this? How Jesus feels when people who represent his name, who've been placed in positions of leadership over his church, when they abuse their power to hurt people. How does he feel? Well, in John chapter 10, we see how he feels. We are right now studying the I am sayings of Jesus in, in the Gospel of John. When you get to John chapter 10, you run into two of them. First, the one we're looking at today, he says, I am the door. Then later, the one we'll look at next week, he says, I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the shepherd. And to understand these statements, you need to realize that these were not spoken in a vacuum. These are not just abstract concepts that Jesus felt like talking about. These words were spoken in the context of spiritual abuse by religious leaders. In the chapter before this, John chapter 9, we read that Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. And the religious leaders of Jerusalem, instead of rejoicing at this, because they were so jealous of Jesus, because they were so, they were so resentful of, of the, the, the way people were following him. When this man was healed by Christ, it, it, instead of rejoicing with this man, the leaders, the religious leaders of that day, they condemned the man, they ridiculed him, they publicly questioned his standing with God. And, and then, just because Christ had worked in his life, John chapter 9 ends with these religious leaders kicking this man out of their synagogue. They kicked him out of their church. So that's the context in John chapter 10. Jesus is standing right there with some of these abusive leaders on one side, and on the other side is this poor, mistreated man. And that's where Jesus speaks what John calls a figure of speech. It's kind of, it's kind of a parable about a sheepfold, a, a sheep pen, and the sheep. And in this parable, Jesus refers to these abusive spiritual leaders as thieves. He says, those guys are thieves. And he refers to himself as the door. He says, I am the door. Now, what does he say about the thieves? Well, in verse 1, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So Jesus said, here's how you recognize thieves. Thieves don't lead sheep through the door. They don't lead the sheep to the door. They don't lead the sheep through the door. Thieves climb over the wall and they grab up the sheep into their own arms. And then holding that sheep in their arms, they run off with it into the night. So what does he mean by that? Well, how, how do you recognize an abusive spiritual leader? Jesus says, instead of leading sheep to the door, instead of leading people to Christ, 
letting him be their Lord, him be their leader, him be their guide. Instead of leading people to the door, they grab people, they draw people to themselves. They don't, they don't take them to Christ, to the door. They, they climb over their wall and snatch up the sheep and run off with them in their own arms. Now, in extreme cases, David Koresh, Jim Jones, Sung Young Moon, in extreme cases, these abusive leaders actually claim that they themselves are the Christ. They are the Messiah. So you will see this in extreme cases. But extreme cases are extremely rare. In, in most Christian environments where there's toxic spiritual leadership, those in authority will talk about Jesus Christ. They'll talk about him, they'll preach about him, they'll teach about him, they'll sing about him. But the real focus in the leader's heart is not seeing people come to Christ and stand with the dignity that's given to them as followers of Jesus. The real focus is not taking people to the door. The real focus is calling people to themselves, to their vision, to their, to their ministry to their building project, to their denomination, right? Kind of, kind of like a thief climbing over the wall, snatching up a lamb. They want people cradled in their own arms, not walking to Christ. Now, why don't abusive leaders want sheep walking through the door? Well, because Jesus says, something really, really powerful happens to sheep when they walk through the door. Something really powerful happens to people when they stand in, in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, end of verse 9, that when sheep go through the door, he says, they go in and out and they find pasture. And that's kind of astonishing because before that, he, he said that the shepherd leads the sheep in, the shepherd leads the sheep out, the shepherd is the one who takes them to pasture, but he, he kind of changes what he's saying. He says, no, it's even more than that. When sheep come to the door, the sheep go in and out. The sheep themselves find the pasture. In other words, when sheep go through the door, when people really stand in the fullness of Christ, they themselves are empowered. People exercise freedom. They go in and out. They themselves, Jesus said, the sheep find pasture. They learn to think for themselves. They learn to make decisions on their own. They go in and out. They, they, they find pasture. So when sheep go through the door, Jesus says, the sheep are empowered. And abusive spiritual leaders find that very threatening because they lose control. I don't want these sheep coming in and out, coming to Christ on their own. I want them in my arms where I can control them, right? That's what thieves do, Jesus says. And if you read the, the New Testament, the, the kind of Christian ministry that is held up by the apostles as exemplary, you realize that what the thieves do is the exact opposite of what Christ has called leaders in his church to do. For example, in, in Colossians Chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is basically outlining his philosophy of ministry. And here's what he says. He says this, he is the one we proclaim. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, he says, is the one we proclaim. We don't, so Paul's ministry was not about Paul's ministry. 
It wasn't about himself. It wasn't about his ideas. It wasn't about his vision. It wasn't about his program. Just about Jesus. He says, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He says the reason we focus on Christ, the reason we bring the sheep through the door, is because we want everyone empowered. Everyone fully mature. So abusive leaders, they want people dependent on the leader. But godly leaders want people mature, empowered, standing in the fullness of dignity and strength that we find in Christ. I was reading one website written by an individual who apparently is the survivor of spiritual abuse. And this person writes this, I am not looking for perfection in a leader, but I am looking for a Christian fellowship where leaders equip and empower everyone to use their spiritual gifts for the sake of the body. When senior leaders refuse to let others use their gifts appropriately, then that means they are quenching the spirit. Sounds like that person has encountered what Jesus would call thieves, right? Dr. Graham Barker, a Christian counselor who's worked with uh, communities of faith where there's kind of a toxic environment, has written this. He says the leaders of abusive systems share a common profile, a need to control, an authoritative style, a commanding personality, an inability to tolerate criticism or dissension, a tendency to surround themselves with a small, exclusive clique. Abusive leaders, he writes, are also quite secretive. Rarely are their personal lives subjected to the same scrutiny as those of their membership. The demands made on others are not made on self, the, the thieves that Christ is describing. And, I, you know, if you've ever, in, to some extent, been under that kind of leadership or in a Christian environment where that's taking place, then you could, you, you, you just like the man in John chapter 9 who was kicked out of this, the synagogue, you could tell us that being in that kind of environment is very, very destructive. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, is quite clear about that in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only, only to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you could see your faces right now, you guys look very discouraged. Uh, I'm, I mean, the bad news is even worse. Until the day that Jesus comes back, he'll come back. But until that day, there will always be people like this looking for power within the Christian church. So what should we do? We should give up. We should reject the gospel. We should abandon our faith. I mean, if they're going to be people like this, hypocrites in the church, we should just have nothing ever to do again with Jesus. Right? Wrong. Guys, listen, even, even sheep are not that stupid, all right? Even, even sheep will tell you just because there are thieves does not mean the door doesn't lead to life. Even if there are thieves, the door leads to life. The door leads to life. And Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. Don't worry about these other guys. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he or she will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So I don't know if you have any friends that maybe have given up on Christianity because of all that just 
disheartening hypocrisy you see in Christian circles. Don't you just kind of wish you could sort of lovingly grab them by the collars and say, please don't make that decision. It's not logical. It's, it's not logical to reject Christ just because there are hypocrites in the church. I mean, to illustrate, imagine you are at your workplace, at your job, or students, imagine you're at school, and there's someone at your job or someone at your school that you just don't like this person. This person's always getting on your nerves. They're so sarcastic. They're always bullying people. They're, they, they're always mean to you, and you suspect that's the person who's stealing pencils from your desk. Someone you can't stand. And one day, while you're at your work or at, at your school, the building catches on fire. There's flames coming out of the windows. The, the alarm is sounding. The sprinklers are throwing water everywhere. The building is gradually filling with smoke. You wake your way down the stairs. You're into the, the lobby, and, and the smoke is rising. You can hardly breathe. You can't see. You can't find the exit. You know, if you don't find the exit, you're going to die in the fire. You don't know where it is. And suddenly, you hear a voice through the smoke saying, Here's the door. It's over here. Here's the exit. I'm standing next to it. I'm holding the door open. You look up and you see the person pointing to the exit. Is that guy you can't stand? So what do you do? Well, you just sit down and die, right? You say, there is no way. Listen, I know that to go through that door would lead to life. I know that to stay right here would kill me. But you know what? I am not going through a door if it's pointed to me by a person like that, right? You would never do that. You would go through the door. The person would still be a jerk, but you'd go through the door anyway. In other words, just because there are thieves doesn't mean that there's not a door. Jesus is the door. The door leads to life. Someone who understood this, very famous man, Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was born in Maryland as a slave in the 1800s. He escaped slavery, became perhaps the best-known abolitionist in, in our nation's history. And in his memoir, which if you haven't read that memoir, I would commend it to you. It's a great piece of writing. In his memoir, he talks about when he was a 13-year-old boy, still a slave, he heard the gospel explained for the first time. And as he thought about it, and as he prayed about it, you, you've got to read it. He was radically, radically converted. I mean, Jesus just describes his conversion experience as, as just a deep, radical um, turning from sin, trusting in Christ, and finding that he was new. But then, as you read on in the memoir... And as he grows older, he begins to encounter horrible hypocrisy in the church. He, he, he begins to see white slave owners who go to church on Sunday and sing hymns and talk about Jesus all the time, just being un, incredibly cruel and harsh towards their slave. He, he sees other slave owners who are not Christians sometimes being nicer to their slaves. Horrible hypocrisy. He escapes slavery. He goes up to the north. He thinks, well, there's freedom up here. It's going to be better. So he goes to a church. First thing, he goes to a church, a white church. And the people in that church, even though many of them would call themselves abolitionists, treat him like dirt. Just horrible hypocrisy. Well, when his memoir came out, it was widely read. And apparently, many people read 
Frederick Douglass's memoir, and they reached the conclusion that he was renouncing his faith in Jesus Christ. That he was just saying, you know, that was just kind of a boyhood experience when I was 13, but now I've seen the truth about the church. I want nothing to do. They reached that conclusion, and that conclusion could not have been farther from the truth. He was still a committed Christian. He still loved Jesus. He was just telling people what he saw. So when the second edition of his memoir came out, just to kind of set the record straight, he put a, pref a preface to the memoir. Uh, explaining where he stood with regard to Jesus. And I'll read part of the preface for you. Bear with me. This is old-fashioned language, but this is what he wrote. He said, I find, since reading over the foregoing narrative, that I have in several instances spoken in such a tone and manner respecting religion as may possibly lead those unacquainted with my religious views to suppose me an opponent of all religion. To remove the liability of such misapprehension, I deem it proper to append the following brief explanation. What I have said respecting and against religion, I mean strictly to apply to the slave-holding religion of this land and with no possible reference to Christianity itself. For between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. I love the pure peaceable, impartial, impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt, slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, hypocritical Christianity of this land. In other words, what he's saying is, I've seen the thieves, I know the thieves, but I'm still walking through the door. I still, I still believe in Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he or she will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life abundantly. He's the door. Have you walked through the door? I mean, I know you've seen, we've all seen stuff that turns your stomach, but he is the door. Years ago, when I was in my mid-20s, I met a young woman whose father had been a pastor until he was arrested. He was arrested for sexually abusing her and her sisters. Her father, the pastor, did that to her. I met this young woman in church. We attended the same church. She was there every Sunday, singing about Jesus, learning about Jesus, worshiping Jesus. She loved Jesus. Since she was a church musician, I once asked her what her favorite hymn in the hymnal was, and she referred to this, this old hymn written by a guy named Wade Robinson, and the title of the hymn is, I Am His, talking about Christ. I am His and He is Mine. This is the first verse to that hymn. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace that love to know, spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine in a love which cannot cease. I am his 
I am his, and he is mine. Just because there are thieves doesn't mean there's not a door. The door leads to life, guys. Jesus is the door. Let me close with just two quick thoughts as, a, as your pastor. The first is this. If you have been hurt or manipulated or dominated or bullied or shamed by a Christian leader, I don't know if this will make sense to you. I hope you'll receive this. As a member of the Christian clergy, I would like to ask your forgiveness on behalf of my colleagues. You are a precious child of God. You should never have been treated that way. So I hope you'll receive that. The second thing I, I would say is that if you are discouraged or disheartened by all the hypocrisy that we see in Christian circles these days, and boy, is there a lot of it going around. I hope that nevertheless, you will walk through the door. The, the thieves, guys, the thieves have stolen a lot from the church. Don't let them steal Jesus from you, right? Just because there's thieves doesn't mean the door doesn't lead to life. Guys, the door leads to abundant life. He's our door. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are not afraid to talk about issues like abusive leadership. And that in the midst of it, you stood before people of your day and said, come to me, I'm the door. We thank you and we pray that even today we would hear your voice. Amen.